Uh, the book of Leviticus has killed more Bible reading plans than any other book of the Bible. You know what I'm talking about. It's January 1, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And you made it through Genesis. Genesis was good. You were having fun. Uh, Exodus, awesome things are happening. And then you got to Leviticus, and uh, it was like chapter 2, and then all of a sudden it was November. And you don't know what happened to your plan. It's gone. It's out the window. But here's the thing. like Leviticus is awesome. You know, it gets this rap as kind of like the tax code of the Bible. It's like, man, there's all these laws, all this regulation, all of these things. But if you kind of slow down long enough to read what it's talking about, it's pretty amazing. Um, if you add up all of these festivals that God is telling the people to do, you get like two weeks off of work. It's awesome. I'm like, I am commanding you to not work, to just stop. I'm like, yes. I'm like, that's, it's in the book. It's right there. Like, stop working. And what's even more amazing is, is this particular one, there's seven different festivals that, that are commanded, and this particular one is an, a commandment to go camping. It is. This, the, 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 shelter, the, the shelters, the festivals, the booths, it literally, the, the, the Hebrew word here, shuka, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, but that's the word, it, it means a temporary shelter. That you would go and they would build these temporary shelters. They would go camping. It's right there. The Lord commands us to go camping. So which every man in the place is like, honey, we're going to buy an RV right after this. <laughs> like, that's my kind of church. We're going camping. And, and so, like, with this sermon, I thought to myself, a perfect illustration would be if I got up here on stage and I would actually put together a tent as I'm talking to y'all about camping. But that's about impossible. You, you can't put together a tent. It's, you know, you've got to have hands of, you know, I don't know, you just can't do it. So it's a good thing I practiced beforehand and realized that illustration would have failed miserably. Um, but, but here's the thing about camping that I've learned. Uh, we love the idea of camping. Like, even us men, like, we like, oh, yeah, we're going to get out there. We're at one with nature. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some steaks on the grill or a campfire. I mean, we have this picture of our mind what camping is supposed to be. And then camping actually happens. I tell you the truth. This happened a few, this was probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. Uh, we did this camping trip with the men from the church, and it's me and Chris Stanley that was here on the keyboard. We're kind of leading it up, and there was like 20 guys that said, hey, yo, we're going to go camping. And so we get out there. We've had a great time, uh, big bonfire, and it's, it's like kind of cold and rainy that night. And, and me and Chris, and, and, and we go to bed, and there's all these guys, and, and there's Guys from the Army, we got some Navy boys, I think there was a Marine. I mean, there's, there's like men's men. There's like, these are the guys, like, you know, just, you know, like, they're camp. Like, these boys, all of them, we went to sleep. When we woke up, every one of them was gone. They <laughs> left in the middle of the night. It got cold. All them Navy SEAL boys were gone home to their beds. Me and Chris woke up like, what happened to, to something? Did anybody get raptured and just we're left? Like, I don't know what, how is it that the guy who does no manual labor ever, you know, I talk, how come I can make it through the night, but, the, you know, we're just, like, the idea of camping, like, the, and, and Chris said, the thing is, like, everyone knew that, like, 
their bed was just a few miles away so they could go home, right? And it's just crazy, like the idea. And so God says, listen, to these people, there's going to come this appointed time where you're going to go out, you're going to set up these booths, these temporary shelters, and you're going to remember, and you're going to celebrate, and it's going to be a week long, and, and, and it's going to be a party, it's going to be awesome. But to fully understand this portion of Scripture, you've got to know a little bit about the context in which it's written. Uh, this, this particular uh, context right here in Leviticus is where the children of Israel, they have come out uh, of slavery, they've come into the desert, and uh, they are getting these laws from God through Moses, and it's all being taken before they've entered the promised land. Now, why is this important? This is important because this is a group of people that currently, in their present state, are living in tents. They have no permanent houses. They have no permanent structures. They are living in tents. And God gives them this, this commandment, and he even says it at the beginning of the chapter. He says, listen, start this now. Start this now dwelling in these tents, which is, is there's just so much irony to, to that because they're kind of like, okay, we got that done. We live in the tents. This, all of this is temporary. Imagine this scene. Imagine if, if, if I got up here and, and for some reason there was a whole group of people who were speaking to the homeless. We were speaking to someone that, that doesn't have a job or, or struggling at the moment. And I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to get a tent and I want you to camp out and I want you to take this week and celebrate. It's almost a little like, what? Uh, we, we do that every day. We're, we're, we're constantly doing that. Um, You've got it all backwards. Here's what we want you to do, God. We want you to to move us into the promised land. We want us to to have the house, and then we'll go camping. And God's like, no, I want you to start doing this now. I want you to start doing this now. Now, this is important because what he's saying is, I want you to learn how to celebrate the thing before you even get there. See, sometimes you've got to learn to praise God on credit. You've got to learn to praise God for that thing that you, you're going to have, but you don't presently have at the moment. You've got to praise God for that thing that he's going to do, but right now all you see is this tent, is this shelter. And God says, listen, I want you to throw the party now. Uh, uh, imagine this. Imagine uh, having a, a college graduation party, and he's only a freshman. <laughs> it's a little like, What? That's weird. And God's like, that's what I want you to do. I want you to throw the party before you even graduate, as if it's already happened. Start it right now. And, and see, see, sometimes it's Ill, easy to celebrate God for what he's done, but it's a whole different type of party to celebrate God for what he's going to do. Let me say that again. It's easy to celebrate God for what he's done. It's a whole different kind of party to celebrate God for what he's going to do. And we have to start now. Uh, there's the story. I, uh, I heard the interview this week of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was at the beginning of his acting career, 
And he says he had nothing. He had nothing to his name. He had come down here uh, with nothing but this dream of being an actor, and he had absolutely nothing. He said he sat in his car one night, and he wrote himself a check for $10 million. He wrote himself a check for $10 million. And in the memo line, he put in there, for, services, for acting services rendered. He said that check stayed in his pocket for years and years and years. He said he would drive his car up to uh, Mulholland Drive, and he would pull out his walk- wallet, and he would look at that check, and it would get to the point where the check was just getting all deteriorated. And then he said one day he put a, he put a date on the check, and he wrote the, the, the date on the check for November 9th, Thanksgiving Day, November 1995, I believe it was. He says, this is going to happen. And you know what happened? Right around that same time, he got a phone call. And you know how much money he was going to make off of the movie Dumb and Dumber? $10 million. He's, yeah, he started early, though. He started praising God. He said, well, I don't know if he was praising God, but he, he, he's he, he, well, than something else. But he... He, he, he was at the end of his rope, and he was ready for a change. He was ready for something different, and he started speaking something different into his life. And, and, and sometimes we've got to say, well, what are, we, what, are, what are we looking for? What are we anticipating? Here's this group of people that they're looking forward to the promised land, but they're currently dwelling in tents, and God says, start the party now. I remember the first service that we had as a church. Um, it was myself, Chris, just a, a few of us, a couple families, Kyle Despierto. Uh, there's probably, I don't know, seven or eight of us that we're the ones that kind of said, hey, we're going to get this thing together. And the service was going to start at 10 a.m. And it was 9.55, and there was nobody there. And I just looked at Devin, and I told her, girl, you're going to get saved today. <laughs> I don't know. Something's going to happen. I'm going to preach. Ain't nobody going to be here but you, but... I'll let you know, when it comes time for an altar call, just go ahead and get saved. We're going we're gonna to start off now. We're going we're gonna to party, even if ain't nobody's here. And luckily, a few people showed up. Rick and Jody, still, for some reason, they've still been coming for all these years. I don't, I don't put up with some crazy stuff over these years. But it brings about this kind of principle that what you celebrate, you attract. What you celebrate, you attract. Uh, my daughter is in kindergarten this year, and, and I'm, I'm so proud of her. She's learning how to read, and she's learning how to write, and she's working on her, her ABCs, you know. So they have the stuff, and, and she would come home, and there was this day where she's just really frustrated because there's certain letters in the ABCs that she just can't really get good. She keeps making her Zs look like Ss and uh, the Bs backwards and all these things, and, and you could just kind of see it that mom and dad the frustration on her face. And, and I just looked at her and I, I just began to celebrate her. I said, Kobe, you are doing so good. You are the best reader and writer in your whole class. I guarantee you, you are so good. Your letters are getting better and better. Daddy is so proud of you. And all of a sudden, something inside of her, you could just see it in her eyes. I could do this. I could write this letter. And all of a sudden, she's starting to write better because she's starting to believe in herself that, you know what, I, I can do this. I can write the S like this. I can write. And so something, see, what we celebrate, we attract. 
We bring out the best in others and we celebrate it. And we speak things and we say things that on the surface, it might look like you're struggling now. And see, God's talking to these people of like, listen, it's not always going to be like this. Yeah, you're dwelling in these tents right now, and th things, they're not always going to be like this. You're going to enter this promised land. There is a land that I promised with you, and it's flowing with milk and honey. But here's the thing. You've got to start praising now. You've got to start celebrating now, as if it's already happened. You, you've got to do it now. Why? And then, listen, because you, you might forget there might be a day where you forget where you've come from. Just like Alan was saying in worship this morning about the night, we've all been that one lost sheep. We've all been that one that God had to leave and come and find us in the midst of drowning in our sin and death. And God said, I want you to start this now because I don't want you ever to forget where you've come from. It takes courage to throw a party for something that hasn't even happened yet. It takes courage to, to celebrate what's not tangible. And, and see, the hardest part about this is, it, on some levels, it's a little bit easy for me to say it and do it with my daughter. It's a whole other thing to take that advice myself. It's, a whole nother, it's one thing for me to preach it to y'all. It's another thing for me to go home and live it. Because I can say, listen, there's some hopes and some dreams and some visions that I have for this church and for this county and things that I want to see that I haven't seen yet. And it's been eight years of me working as hard as I can, praying as hard as I can, saying, God, I want to see you move in this county. I want to see you move in this church. I want to see you move in the lives of people. And, and on some levels it's happening, but on some levels there's, God, I, I don't see it yet. And God's like, well, can you praise me now? Can you worship me now? Can you encourage yourself like you encouraged your daughter, even though you don't see it, even though it's just a desert place? Can you make it a promised land? And it's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to do sometimes to praise him now, to praise him, God, you're worthy. I love the prophet Habakkuk. He pours out his heart to God, and he's just God, where, where are you in all of this? And in the midst of him just pouring out his, his heart of, of seeing God not come through and things, yeah, he says this, uh, even though the fig tree doesn't blossom, yet I will praise you. Yet I will praise you. You're worthy no matter what. And, and so back to here to Leviticus 23, God's given him this, this commandment at this, this, this time of year into a people that haven't even entered the promised land. And what's also important is this time of feast of when it falls on the calendar. So there's seven different feasts, and uh, there, there's three spring, one summer, and, and three fall. And this is the, uh, the last one of the fall. This is the very last of these, these major celebrations that God has commanded to take place. And it takes place right after the harvest time. It takes place right after uh, the people have gone out and they've gathered all of their crops, all of their grains, everything that was going to sustain them through uh, the winter months. And there's this great celebration uh, that's happening. Now, here's why this is important. Because sometimes they would go out to those crops and it always wouldn't be the best crop that they had hoped for. 
Sometimes the crops were plentiful. Sometimes it was overflowing, and they had more, I don't know, not corn, I don't know, what, whatever they did over there. I know they had lamb a lot, and uh, wheat, yeah, probably some wheat, little manna bread, whatever. You know, I don't know what they grow, whatever they were growing. I couldn't have grown it. I kill stuff. Like, I try to, the only thing I could do is tomatoes, and that's because of that, Brunswick County soil. If you can't grow a tomato in Brunswick County, you just hang it up. You can't grow anything. <laughs> but he tells them, like, to grow these, cr- and, and, like, this is important because, remember, there's no Walmart, there's no grocery store where you just run out and grab an extra, like, no, this is what's going to sustain them. And, and he says, listen, all of this is to happen, and, and, wh- and whether it's full or whether it's not so full, you're going to celebrate. You're going to party. And, and here's how the party starts. It starts with resting. It starts with take a Sabbath. Do no work. You're going to go through the week. You're going to have this celebration, this feast, this temple of, of booth. And, and then on the last day, you know what you're going to do? You're going to rest again. You're going to cease from your work. So there's this commandment, and it it begins with resting. There's party, and there's work in the middle, and then it ends with resting at the end. Why is this important? It's important because we as humans, we like to begin things with work. We like to begin things with doing. God likes to begin things with being. Think about Adam. Uh, God has created everything, the earth. He's filled it. There's birds in the sky. There's animals on the land. There's fish in the sea. He's given Adam this commandment. This is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to look. You're going to get to name all of these things. You're going to get to take care of this garden. You're going to be fruitful, and you're going to multiply. And God's told us, and like, Adam's pumped up. He's like, yes, I got this amazing job. It's the sixth day, right? He's been created. And, and then all of a sudden, it's the seventh day, and Adam wakes up, and he's ready to go to work. And what does God say? Take the day off. We're going to rest. See, he establishes this pattern from the very beginning. That the work that he has for you is not so much your work, but it's his work. And you have to start off, first of all, by being before you could start doing. Because here's the thing. If you find yourself finding all of your identity and all of your security on what you do, you will live your life in a constant state of flux. Because the moment that you fail at what you do, you'll feel like a failure. And the moment that you succeed at what you do, you will feel, I'm good. And this is how we will translate our life into the love of God. And we'll say, listen, if I failed, then God must be angry at me. And if if I've done good and I've succeeded, God must be happy. And and if the crops are full, God must give us favor. But if the crops aren't so full, maybe God is mad at us. And God's saying that's not how it works. That is not how it works. It starts off first by you entering into what I've already done. It starts by us entering into the work that he's already prepared for us instead of us trying to just be human doings when we're created human beings. And and this this party, this harvest, this festival, takes this pattern that we see all throughout Scripture. 
You may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you once were. And we remember that he is a good God, and he is the one that is at work, and we are made perfect in his timing. And sometimes it takes a tent to remind us. Sometimes God says, and leave the comforts of your home, and I want you to stay in this tent for a week, because I never want you to forget where you've come from. I don't want you to forget where you've come from. Now, fast forward a moment. And in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 16, and we're going to have the worship team come up in just a minute. In the book of Deuteronomy, time has kind of gone by. And it's gone from a people that have heard this portion of Scripture uh, in Leviticus 23. And, and they've, uh, they've heard this law, and they've been dwelling in tents. They begin to, to do these celebrations. But in Deuteronomy, what we have is we have uh, Moses giving pretty much what is compiled as his last words to the people. Because Moses, is, his part of the journey is getting ready to come to an end. And so these are Deuteronomy is a book of sermons. It's the last words to the people that he wants them to remember. These are the things that are important. And in Deuteronomy chapter 16, he talks about these feasts. He talks about these feasts and he says, he says let me just actually read it. He says this in speaking about them. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all of these laws. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. Now, why is this important? Because remember, the context of this, time has gone by. It's been 40 years. The majority of the people that were slaves in Egypt actually have died by this point. And so you have a whole group, a whole nation that has not known the slavery of Egypt. All they've known is life in the desert. See, they, they, they know the stories of their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents of, 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 of making bricks with the Egyptians and, and, and living this type of life day in and day out. But the majority of this crowd has been born in the desert. They don't know the sting of a whip on their back. All they know is the look of a tent in a desert and rumors of a promised land. This is all they know. This word here, this Hebrew word for the tent, the people would come out and they would celebrate and they would, they would eat in these tents. They would live in these tents. They would spend their time, and then they would go away. There's an old Hebrew story of a, a first century rabbi that speaks of these festivals. And there's a story of this woman coming up to the rabbi, and she says, Rabbi, I need you to, to make judgment on this, the, this, this other person. They have stolen my tent, my, my shuka. They, they, they've stolen it. It is mine. And she was bothering the rabbi time and time again. 
And she says, why are you not listening to me? Do you not know that my parents are, are rich in wealth? And we, we have uh, over 318 properties and all of this, and we own all that. And the rabbi just continued to ignore. And to which one of his uh, uh, disciples began to, to look at the rabbi and said, are you going to make this judgment on the scene with this woman? And the rabbi turned, looked to the young disciple and said this. He said, the only thing that she has to claim is the wood on the tent. And what he meant by that was this. He said, here's a woman that she's, she's frustrated about her tent when she has all of this great wealth. And all she could do is be mad at the thing that's temporary. And it gets you thinking, sometimes how often do we get distracted by the things that are temporary and forget about the things that are eternal? And we put all our effort and all of our energy and everything that we're doing into something that's, well, it's going to be gone tomorrow. There's a story of these other two rabbis that they're on the boat, and it was this, the particular time for the season where they were supposed to build their tents and dwell them. And so the one rabbi said, listen, I'm going to build my tent on the bow of the boat. And so he builds the tent on the bow of the boat. They go to sleep. They wake up the next morning, and the tent has been blown away. They look. They stand side by side. The other rabbi looks at him and says, and so where is your shuka now? Where is your tent now? And they both start laughing. And the point that they're both making is, it was temporary anyway. It's here one day, it's gone the next. And God's giving this commandment to do this over and over again. Why? Because, listen, all of this, it'll be here one day, it'll be gone the next. There's this whole group of people, listen, there's a whole generation that all they've known is slavery. There's another generation that all they've known is desert. But there's coming another generation that all they'll know is promise. And when you've entered your promise, don't forget the desert. And when you're in the desert, don't forget when you were a slave. Go out, build this tent. Remember all the places that I've taken you from and start it right now. Start it right now. In this moment, here's what I believe. I believe that there's some people in this room right now that uh, maybe you don't know the heartache of the slavery. Maybe we've forgotten the hard times of life without Christ or, or, or just uh, how hard things can be. For the most part, let's be honest, there's not many of us that have missed meals and, and don't know what it's like to not have a roof over our heads. Uh, we... You know, we could talk to grandparents, maybe, that know of what this thing called an outhouse was. We, we don't know that. And, but, 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 but here's the thing. I think there's a group of people that, while, while we might not know the pains and the heartaches of that, we've lived our life in the desert. And in the desert is the place where things, they might not be as bad as Egypt, but it's still not the promise. We still haven't inherited the thing that we know is out there, the life that we know that we're supposed to live. And, and, and we find ourselves just living in the desert, and we've accepted this as the norm. And God's saying, the promise is right at your fingertips. 
Moses is telling right here, you're getting ready to enter in. Things are getting ready to change. Things are getting ready to change. But when they change, when things get good, when there's more abundance than you know what to do with, don't forget to pause. Set up your tent and remember where you've come from. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea